I love the acoustic weekends, I really do. I love the reeds, and Walter, you even did a good job shaking whatever you were shaking over there. That was, that was good, good stuff. Good morning, Shepherd Church. We are blessed to be together. For those of you I don't know, I'm Pastor Jeff, and I'm thankful this morning to ask you to open to the 23rd Psalm that we have been studying, the greatest of all time, as Pastor Dudley has called it, which is, I know it's kind of weird. We have a ram behind me, but we're talking about sheep, but it will, we'll make it all work together here. Because this psalm is so rich. If you've missed the lessons up to now, you need to get back on YouTube and watch those. And we're going to pick up in the third verse of this special and memorable psalm. Let me also welcome those who are at Woodland Hills and Agua Dulce or maybe watching outside on the big screen out there. This has been such an amazing time of getting to be together Again, my wife and I even got shots last Wednesday, so we're we're partly vaccinated. Uh, went up to Magic Mountain, which is weird. I hadn't been to Magic Mountain in a long time, and instead of a ride and waiting in line, we were like, "Ooh, four more cars, and they'll poke us!" Yay, you know. So, so we're we're grateful, and I'm thankful. You know, we need to just stop and say, "Praise God for the scientists and for the doctors and for the nurses and all those people who are working to combat this." But let me be clear, it's going to be the great physician that cures the world, and that is who we want to give praise and glory to as well. All right. Now, I found out something interesting about the 23rd Psalm as I was preparing for this. And I've been a pastor a long, long time, so when I find out something new about something as old and as well-known as the 23rd Psalm, you realize some of the most quoted words in the Bible are the first few words of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my... I mean, people who don't even go to Shepherd Church know that, right? People who don't go to church at all, would many of them would be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still or quiet waters. And then the verse I get to teach, he restores my soul and guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So, greatest of all time, actually, no. And I don't mean that in disrespect to the 23rd Psalm. I just mean that the 23rd Psalm has not in all times been considered the greatest. In fact, if we had been here meeting in 1840 or 1830 and somebody had said, what's the greatest of all the psalms? There would have been an argument break out because there are 150 psalms. It wasn't until, as best historians note, that this psalm rose above the rest during one of the most difficult times our nation had faced. In the mid-1800s, the sin of slavery is ripping our country apart. In June of 1858, Abraham Lincoln stands up and gives a speech in which he talks about a house divided against itself, quoting the Bible about the, the, the division that was happening in our nation. He had no idea how many soldiers would die, how many families would bury a son, how many would have one wearing blue and one wearing gray. And in the midst of that turmoil in 1858, a well-known and well-respected minister named Henry Ward Beecher 
said that the 23rd Psalm was the nightingale of the Psalms. It was the sweet singing bird we needed to hear now. These beautiful words, it is small of a homely feather singing shyly out of obscurity, but oh, it has filled the air of the whole world with melodious joy. And he finishes by saying, blessed be the day on which that psalm was born. And it was like he, he kind of shined a light on it and people began to say, yes, it's true. And within just a few years, it's certainly within a few decades, the psalm had risen to the point where nearly every funeral in America of someone who believed in the gospel would say, let us read the 23rd Psalm. Louise May Alcott in her book, Little Women, titles one of the chapters, The Valley of the Shadow of Death. Because that line from the psalm had so gripped people's attention after sailing through the death and destruction of the Civil War. So why? Why this psalm? I'm going to ask you to take your outlines out and write something down. I'm going to suggest, and you see if you'd agree, that this psalm may be the greatest of all because it speaks to a deep need. A deep need within us, within our souls, a desire for hope and for restoration. You see, this psalm is a joy ride. It's, it, it takes you down to the valley of death but lifts you up and finishes. I'm sorry if this is a spoiler for any of you that haven't read the rest of it. But it finally says, yay, you know, uh, he's going to set a banquet before me in the presence of mine enemies and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. It's, it's, it's a movie that you'd come out if it were a film saying, man, I love that. Let's watch it again. And so again and again, families, people who are hurting will pause and say, the Lord is my shepherd. But I think there's something even deeper there. Not just the language, not just the, the beauty of it, the, the metaphor of the sheep, but this idea that no matter where we are in life, the good shepherd can restore us, can bring us back. Now, for some of us, you feel like, yes, 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 and you feel like you're constantly being restored, but there may be others who are listening and saying, oh, dude, you have no idea where I am. You have no idea of the valley of the shadow of death and of mess and of muck that my life has come into. And maybe even the last year has felt like, wow, the, you talk about the, the valley of the shadow of death. Look at where I am. Well, I've got hope for you today because the 23rd Psalm actually is kind of a can be seen as a coaching of how to walk through a tough, tough time. Let's, let's walk this, see if you agree. Note that the 23rd Psalm, as it begins, describes the way the shepherd takes care of the physical needs of the sheep. And Pastor Dudley has done a great job of talking about that, right? In fact, in the Psalm, go ahead and write it down, the good shepherd restores not just physically, but also spiritually. And it's worth asking, why does he hold off until verse 3 for the spiritual side of it? Why don't you start with the spiritual side of it? You notice how he starts, right? Going to make me lie down in green pastures and lead me beside still waters. What is that? The basic needs of the sheep. Super basic physical needs. Food, water, rest. And then he says, he restores or refreshes my soul. 
It hit me staring at that. Oh, my word, this is Counseling 101. If you go to a good counselor and you say, listen, I am depressed. I'm just feeling so miserable. I'm full of anxiety. Do you know the first thing they're going to talk about is, can you tell me about your sleeping? Can you tell me about your diet? How, how are you doing at eating? Can you tell me how often you get outside, walk, exercise, get out in the sun? And you're like, wait a minute, I didn't come here to talk to Jack Lane. You know, I wanted Dr. Phil. I mean, I, 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 I want you to talk to me about my feelings and my emotions. But a good doctor, a good counselor, she or he might say, oh, listen, friend, you are connected body and soul. You can't fix your soul over here and mess up your body over here and not think that this is going to impact that. And for that reason, the shepherd would make sure the sheep have pasture and rest and water. And then says, through all of this, he also reaches within and restores my soul. There's a great Old Testament story that, that, that clarifies this. Uh, probably, I don't know, maybe as much as 100 years after the 23rd Psalm was written, there was a prophet whose name was Elijah. Uh, his story is found in 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, I haven't got time to tell all of it, but the guy got to a place where you talk about depressed, you talk about absolutely at the end of his rope, you talk about somebody who is like, you know what, I give up. You don't think so? Listen to what he does. He goes out into the desert all by himself, leaves all his friends, even his servant behind, because Queen Jezebel has said, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to have his head on a plate. And he just freaks out about it, comes to a broom brush, so just kind of a, a place of shelter in the desert, sits down under it, and he prays. But listen what he prays to God. He prays he might die. And here's his prayer. I have had enough, Lord Anybody ever prayed that prayer this year? <laughs> Some of you prayed it in the car on the way here. Just knock it off. I've had enough. Oh, Lord, come now. I have had enough. And listen to the way he continues. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He is so down that he's like, just kill me, God. And he lays down as if to just die. So then God steps in with an angel. But watch what the angel does. The angel doesn't counsel him. The scripture says, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. <laughs> what? Get up and eat. Eat something. And he looked around, and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals. He's in the middle of nowhere, and God has brought Panera right to him and, and has said, here, Elijah, what you need is some food and then he lays down and sleeps and some rest. And by the way, if you read on, the angel wakes him up and does it again. It's like, I, you have got to take care of your body if you want your soul to have a chance at restoration. Now, I'm just going to go here. During COVID time, some of us have let things like sleep, habits, and maybe even our diet have I got any Netflix bingers who'd be willing to admit, or Amazon Prime, or whatever, you know, Disney, whatever, and that you found yourself staying up maybe later than might be really healthy, right? And what are you doing? Hey, honey, what kind of garbage we got? All right, I'll just eat it while, you know, I mean, you, oh, you got more cookies? Sure, some chocolate. Uh, okay. <laughs> 
My wife and I got hooked on a show. I'm not even going to tell you what show because I don't want you to get hooked on it, but it's good. And, and it's one of those shows that where every time you come to the end of an episode, you're like, oh, no way. Let's watch one more. And so click. And you watch the next one. And then, oh, one more. Click. And one night, this is night during, this is embarrassing. It's night during the week, right? I got to get up the next morning, work at Pepperdine. And, and she goes, Jefferson, it's 1245. Oh, let's see how long this next episode is. I mean, I'm sorry. If you're staying up till 3.30 watching TV and trying to get up at 6.30 and you wonder why you're not feeling good about life, hello. If you're not taking care of yourself and exercising and getting out in the sun some, hello. The shepherd says, sheep, don't expect me to be able to restore your soul if you're treating your body like trash. So, let's just, let's just let that sink in. But understand that the shepherd's not just concerned about your body. The shepherd isn't just saying, well, if you eat right and exercise, you'll, you'll, you'll be fine, little sheep. And that's why in verse 3, the writer David says, oh, but listen, I, he does give me food, and he does give me rest, and he does give me water, but he, he, the good shepherd, refreshes not my tongue, not my throat, my soul. Friends, I'm very thankful that our government is, you know, getting ready to send out more checks to people who need them. Praise God for that. But the government will never be able to write a check that will heal an aching heart. And nobody will ever be able to write a check that will make a family that is ripped apart all of a sudden come together. We've got to go to the good shepherd if we want that kind of good help and that kind of restoration. And praise God, he is ready. He is willing. He is able. I... I, you know, I, I, I'm intrigued at how restoration and, and restoring things. The Hebrew word here, for those of you interested in it, is the word shuv. And the word shuv in Hebrew means to return or to, to put something back as it was. Or maybe it can even mean to turn someone again back into the way. It's, it's, like, it's like getting it back to where you ought to be. Kind of like turning back time. Now, I think all of us can recognize that when we see the popularity of shows about restoration. You know, shows about uh, this, remember this old house? Or, uh, or the show um, Extreme Makeover, right? There's just something exciting. And we will sit and watch paint dry, literally. We will sit and say, look at this. Come here, look what they did to this house. I mean, I got some pictures, you know, of an old house that they restored. And wow, how pretty beautiful. But the ones that I get caught on, oh, dude. It's the shows about car restoration. Have I, got, have I got any car buddies in here who, oh my goodness. You see them take some old junker jalopy and more miracles and you think I would drive that in a heartbeat except I can't afford it. I mean, that's just beautiful. Or I even take like an old truck. This one looks like Mater from Cars. And, 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 they, and they clean and polish it up and do amazing work on it. You know, man, even an old vintage, you know, one that was made before any of us here were even born, seeing that drive down the street, you just want to tailgate them for a while and go, that is so cool. Or maybe a car that you remember from your childhood. My mom drove a 64 Mustang. She never let me drive a 64 Mustang, but my mom, back in the day, drove 
a Mustang before we all knew how cool it was going to be. So why? Why take something that's messed up and junked up and make it new rather than just, well, just throw it out and get you a new one? My, <laughs> I went to my sister's and, um, and, and chatted with her. Hey, how are things going? She said, oh, Willie. Now, her husband has retired, worked for the gas company, and now he's doing stuff around the house. And he was going to do a, a retaining wall. And I said, what? She said, oh, he's gone wheelbarrow crazy. I said, what do you mean? Well, he had this old wheelbarrow that he went out to get to do the retaining wall, but when he got out of the garage, it was rusty, and a big chunk of it, literally, the pan was rusted out. The, the wood was all splintered and cracked up, and so I'll tell you, if I have a wheelbarrow that looks like that, you know where I'm heading next, right? Home Depot. I'm going to go get me a new wheelbarrow and throw that one out. But Willie said, no, no, I can fix this. And him being a weld, so he starts, you know, sanding and, and, and rust is flying everywhere and he's repatching and then he repainted it and he took, the, he took the handles and sanded them down and then put a new wheel on it. And I'm like, but there was something inside him that this felt so good, right? It's like turning back time. Now, I don't know how to break it to him. There are car clubs, but there are no wheelbarrow clubs, right? Nobody says, hey, dude, man, look at mine. It's a cherry red from 1965. Boy, this is a real primo thing. And yet within us, maybe you're, maybe you're working on restoring art or maybe just redecorating the house or maybe renewing something. You know, man, I, need to, I just need to fix this up, clean this up. How about a new countertop? What are we doing? We're quietly saying, I love seeing something junky made into something wonderful. Because that's what I need. That's what I need in my life. And I, I, I thought about, you know, what, what, what could I bring to, to symbolize that? And then I knew. You see, my mom and dad didn't have many fancy things in the sense of, you know, really expensive things. But somewhere along the line, either somebody gave them some money or somebody decided to help them. And they bought this Duncan Fife uh, dining set. Now, it, it, was a, it was a reproduction. It wasn't an original Duncan Fife. But, but as a kid, I remember it being the nicest thing in our house. And, and you'd go and sit at that table. I've got so many memories of that table and those chairs. But it's been a long time. Dad passed away a long time ago. My mom passed away about 10 years ago. And when she did, nobody really kind of spoke up for the Duncan Fife table and chairs because they looked awful. I mean, they just... It, They'd been set outside. It was, just, it was just not a good deal. And I said, I'll, 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 I'll take that. And um, brought it to our house. And of course, my wife was like, oh, no, 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 no. That is not going in our dining room. And I said, babe, but this table, and she's like, I know, but honey, I don't have the memories of that. That belongs at the Goodwill. That does not belong in here. Oh, and I thought, well, maybe I just need to give it away or chuck it or, you know, whatever. No, I went on a hunt. I went on a hunt for somebody who could restore it, and I found him. His name was Glenn Kimbler. Glenn has passed away since then, but I'm telling you, the man was magic with wood. And I knew he was the right one when I, when I said, Brother Kimbler, could you, he attended the church where I preached at the time, would you come over and take a look at the table and chairs? Sure, yeah. He walks into my garage and goes, oh. 
Oh, Pastor, oh. Let me work on this. Now, what's the difference in my wife going, oh, and Glenn Kimbler saying, oh, because Glenn saw the beauty that was and the beauty that could be, and that's how the good shepherd looks at you and I. Listen, people around us, people around us may say, oh, Lord, he's put on weight. Oh, man, she's got an attitude. Man, I can't believe the way she acts or he looks, but the Father, the good shepherd says, oh, oh, little sheep, please, 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 let me turn back time. Let me let you begin again. Folks, we have a restoration bucket right over there, big old tank of water. We call it our baptistry, but it's our restoration bucket. That's what it's for. And let me tell you, the old is gone and the new comes out. And the Holy Spirit and the God of gods and Christ himself restores our souls. But, 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 but hang on now. Before you, before you jump in and say, oh, honey, we need to do that with grandma's old chairs. Let me, let me, let me tell you, there's a lot of folks out there offering restoration. And um, I just say it. Not all of them know what they're doing. In fact, mark this down. One of the key things about restoration is getting the right restorer. If you don't get the right restorer, you're not going to end up with what you'd like. And I'm going to give you the list we went through when we were looking for, for Glenn. Number one, we wanted someone who knows how to restore our precious item. I didn't want a tinkerer. There are folks who tinker around a little bit, sand around a little bit, mess with wood. No, no, no. I wanted a master. I wanted someone who knew the difference between a biscuit joint and a bridle joint. I want somebody who knows when they need to use a bar clamp or a bench dog. And all of those are things that woodworkers go, yeah, I know what that is. You say, Pastor, you sound like you know. That's the problem. <laughs> People can sound like they know. That just means they looked it up on Google and found some fancy words. And when somebody says, oh, I'll do this restoration, time out. Do you know furniture? Do you know woodworking? You want somebody who knows it. And number two, you've got to have them because you've got to have someone who you will trust to do some real tough work on your furniture. Uh, when Glenn saw this chair, he said, uh, see that slat down there? That's rotted. And pastor, I can't restore that but I can remove it and replace it with the same kind of wood. I look for the same grain. And so you're looking for someone who you trust to do that delicate remove and replace. And thirdly, you need someone who will care enough to take the time to do it. Nothing worse than finding somebody who you've heard is a great restorer and you go to them and they're like, yeah, I could do that in two years. Or even worse, get somebody who says, sure, leave that with me here. Uh, call me in three weeks. Well, three weeks turns into three months and I know somebody who has had a project of restoration and it ended up being two years. And you're like, really? How come you didn't focus on it? And the answer for them was somebody else came up with a whole lot more money and said, could you do this? And they just put that project aside. Now, at this point, half the crowd is saying, Okay, are you like trying to get us all into furniture restoration for some reason? What has this got to do with the 23rd Psalm in my soul? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> because this restoration is a lot like this one. 
The first thing is I've got to find somebody who really knows me. And there are a bunch of people tell you, here's what you need to do. You just need to hang on. I'd like to talk to somebody who knows my soul, who knows me better than my mama, better than my wife, better than my kids, better than my roommate. I'd like to talk to the one who created my soul because he knows you in and out. And he doesn't look at you and say, oh, man, that's a mess. He says, oh, yes, I can work with this. And not only that, I trust him to do the difficult and often painful remove and replace. That's the dangerous part. You say, what do you mean remove and replace? Well, here, let me let Paul explain it. Paul says to the church in Ephesus, he says, if you want to live a restored life, you need to know there's some stuff that's got to go. There's some pieces that have got to come off. Here's his language. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to, can everybody say the words put off? Oh, you got to say it like a command. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and to, come on now, Put on that new self created to be like God. This is a remove and replace job. This is taking out the rotted because you can't paint over it. It's still rotted. You can't just varnish it. It's still rotted. Let me do something you won't forget, all right? Put off. That means I've got to take off some attitudes, some speech, some habits, and I've got to say, I'm done with that. Now, 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 hear me. This is painful because these habits are comfortable. And I've, I've always been this way. Yeah, but it doesn't make it right. Somebody say, well, oh, come on. I've always talked to my, to my spouse like that. Yeah, but that doesn't make it healthy. Oh, it may make it comfy, may make you feel good, but the truth is what you've done is you've gotten rotten behavior, Jeff, and you have let it so become part of you that you can't be restored until you get rid of it, until you lay it down. Okay, okay, we're just going to go here. Moms and dads with your kids. Have you gotten to, I, I know, we've all been trapped at home. It's enough to make anyone hate their family. I understand. <laughs> but sometimes we have gotten and allowed ourselves to become so frustrated that some words, you are such an it, stop. You gotta, you gotta take that off if you want your soul restored because you can't just paint and lacquer over rotten wood. It's still rotted. That means there, are, and, and if some of you need to quit listening to this sermon right now, I'm totally cool with that. If what you need to do is turn this bulletin outline over on the back and start making a list of some stuff that's rotted, you just need to stop. You just need to get out and get rid of. But you can't just rip it out and not replace it, which is why the scripture says you take off the old and you put on the new. You say, well, well what's, what's the new part? The new part is the loving, gracious power of Jesus. You want to know what the new part is? How about the fruit of the Spirit? Let's just start there. How about love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and goodness? And you're all saying, oh man, I want a bucket of that. Well, God has it waiting through Christ. And what we have to do is decide that's who I'm going to be because of your power in me. I want to put off 
the criticism, the anger, the bitterness, the jealousy, the greed, the lust. I want to put on, oh, the love and joy and patience and peace and wow. When you get a restorer like the good shepherd who can do that, and let me tell you, he cares enough, the results, well, they are, oh, I got to show you, they are astounding. Now this, okay, this may not necessarily impress you, but I need to tell you, when I took this chair, actually, Glenn came and picked it up. When Glenn came and picked it up my garage, he picked it up. I thought it was going to bust in his hands. Dirty, messy. Someone had got some paint on the side. It was just this piece of trash. If you'd have seen it, you'd have said, oh, buddy, set that out, the, set that out there by the trash cans. Nobody's going to steal it. The trash guy will get it. And then Glenn called me a few weeks later and said, you want to come over and see one? Now, it, it wouldn't do in Buckingham Palace. But let me tell you, when I see that chair, I am back in sixth grade. When I see that chair, I am transported to, quite frankly, a more innocent time. And I remember my mom and my dad praying around the dinner table. I remember the faith in our family. And when I, it's, it's, it's like time travel. Folks, this is what God wants to do in the 23rd Psalm. He says, little sheep, let me restore. Let me take you back to where you were. Let me wash away, take away, sand away. And I know, I know, we're ready to say, yes, sign me up, man. Bring on the sander. Let's go. But just hang on now. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Because just like Mr. Kimbler had some rules, I couldn't come around his shop while he was working. He, he said, I'm sorry, I don't need you looking over my shoulder. And I was not supposed to come and tell him how to do it because there's only a few rules, and the rules of soul restoration are the same. Here we go. Number one, write it down on your outline. Just turn it right over there on the back and write down, the shepherd is in charge of the project, not you. We submit to his guidance. The very first verse of the 23rd Psalm puts you and me in our place. The Lord, help me, is my Okay, that means he's the shepherd and I'm the, yeah. He's the Lord and I'm the servant, yeah. That means he's the boss and I'm not. You can't restore your soul and still be the captain of your ship. You have to say, Jesus, take the wheel. Have you ever tried to drive a car from the back seat? Yeah. Don't poke him. I see. Don't poke him. This is for you. <laughs> Let me tell you, driving a car from the back seat is a good way either to cause an accident or start a fight. Because car makers were smart enough to put how many steering wheels in the car? Yeah, one. One. That doesn't mean somebody can't say, oh, look out, or, you know, you could go here. But at times, the driver just has to say, I've got the wheel. When you sign up for Christ's restoration of your soul, you give him the wheel, which means you don't say, oh, wait, Lord, we can kind of, I know a way to cut through here. And Jesus says, excuse me, you want to drive? Because I can get out. I can get out if you want to drive. No, 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 you got it. You got the wheel. Thank you. Thank you. Then you will forgive her, won't you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I will. 
oh, wait a minute. Um, hey, Lord, I know this area real, real well. And if you'll take this turn, oh, pardon me? You on drive? <laughs> then you will say, I'm sorry. You will. You just don't know. Okay, here's the wheel. I'm out. God bless you. Good luck. No, 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 no. You, you see what I'm saying? Number one, we have to say, you're the shepherd and I'm not. Number two, we have to recognize that the shepherd will guide and correct us. And we are sheep who trust his voice. Now, for those who say, listen, pastor, this is the hard part for me. I read stuff that Jesus says and I'm like, really, really? Well, maybe it's because you've been treating it as rules as opposed to a relationship. Jesus describes the shepherd. John 10, Pastor Dudley spoke about a part of it a couple of weeks ago. I love this moment in John 10 where he says that the, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, that's the shepherd, and the sheep, and here's the line, listen, everybody say listen. They listen to his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and they follow him. They don't just follow him because he knows their name, right? It's not walling sheep this way. I mean, if there was a big sheep fold with a lot of different shepherd sheep in it, and I'm like, hey, walling sheep. No, no, no. I call them by name. Fluffy, Muffy, Scruffy, Buffy. I get my sheep, and out we go. But the sheep don't call even just because of the roll call. They don't follow for that. He says his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Folks, you got to read the Word of God to get to know the voice of God so that when you hear the voice of God, you say, yes, I trust you. Listen, if all the lights in this building went out because of a blackout and the, the backup system we've got somehow didn't work, I know some people who work here. And if I heard, friends, if I heard Pastor Tim hollering this way, I'm, I'm going that way. If I heard some of the, the folks that I know know this building really well and say, walk this way, because there's lots of voices hollering in the dark. Can I get an oh yeah? And what we do is we listen and we follow his voice. Because lastly, the shepherd restores our soul through grace. Not through our grit, not through our hard work, but rather through his grace, and we give him praise for his love. There's no such thing as a self-restoring chair. There's no such thing as a self-restoring human. But he might have had bad problems with his gallbladder. Had to go in the hospital. Saw him several weeks later. I said, man, you, you look great. And he didn't say, thank you. I uh, ripped that bad boy out, put another one in. I'm in good shape. No, no, no. He said, man, I had great what? Doctors. I, I, I had great nurses. They took really good care of me. And because he's a Christian, he said, no, by the way, thank you, Lord. You see, the line in the 23rd Psalm that follows, he restores my soul, is he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, that's not about God saying, oh, hey, I want you to praise my name. It's about God revealing himself to us and saying, I want you to know me. In their days, your name was how you described yourself. You know, most of our names have meanings. My name, Jefferson, son of Jeff, and Jeff means peace of God. I didn't know that. 
the old English. That's kind of cool, but nobody today pays attention to that. But when the psalmist is writing, and he said for his namesake, he says he wants you to know and praise and enjoy his name, his nature. And so what does he do? He says, let me show you the way to go, sheep. Trust me. And then what does the sheep do? Thank you, shepherd. Thank you for seeing us through, God, a year of crazy, wild, scary death. Thank you for walking us through being trapped at home. Thank you for times when we wondered what would happen to our economy or what would happen to our country or what would happen in violence in our cities. Thank you, good shepherd, for leading us through the valley of the shadow of death and restoring our souls as you did it. And oh, how good it is to be together again today. Can I get a, oh yeah. This is what, this is what we lean into. Peter knew what it'd feel like to, to fall hard and need restoration. And when he becomes an old man, after as a young man denying Jesus, he writes this, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while, will himself, <laughs> there's that word, say it with me, restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. I have to wonder if he wasn't thinking about the 23rd Psalm. I have to wonder if he wasn't thinking, walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I... Um, I wish, I truly do, that soul restoration were as quick and painless in many ways as me getting a chance to let Glenn Kimbler restore this old chair. And yet, it's not. You don't just drop it off and pick it up. I'll come back and get my soul in a week. Thank you, Lord. He says, oh, no, 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 no. You lay right down here. And we need to do some work. So I want you to know God's restoration shop is open this morning. In fact, you're there. Not this building. You may be there sitting at a kitchen table. You may be there outside watching the screen. You may be there in your bedroom wondering if anybody cares. Well, he does. There's a good shepherd who loves you, and he would love to restore your soul. But I got to tell you the secret of the word shuv. Shuv doesn't mean polish. Shuv doesn't mean put lacquer on it. Kyle Welch, my good buddy here on staff, pastor who does so much great study, said, Jeff, it really is the picture of a sheep who started heading this way. Here, let me show you. Sheep heading, supposed to be heading this way, and starts heading off towards Jones's, right? And God says, little sheep. May I restore you? Isn't this where you want to be? Now, friends, that's easy for me to do with this chair. It's a whole lot harder for me to do with this here. Which is why I say, God, I'm sorry. Can you put me back on the path? Does he need to restore a marriage at your house? Does he need to restore a relationship between you and a brother, a sister, a son, a mother? Does he need to restore your integrity? Friend, 
so that you don't have to keep tucking that stuff under the bed, hiding that stuff in the back of your computer, or worrying that, oh, if the truth got out. Well, the shepherd knows the truth, and he's not saying, oh, he's saying, oh, let's, let's get rid of that. Let's take care of that. Now, understand, this offer of restoration is for his sheep. And you get to choose if you want to be one of his. You say, well, how, could, how do you know which sheep belong to him? Oh, it's really easy. You know the, how you can tell a sheep that belong to the shepherd? When he calls, they come. That's how you can tell. Just like when my mama would pull up to the little, uh, this chair makes me think of her. When she, would, she would pull up to the park where my sisters and I, my sister and brother and I used to play, and she'd just holler out the window, Jeff, Judy, Jim. I know, all the J's. I, I, I know, people did it. They, they, they just did it. Jeff, Judy, Jim. And we'd like, oh. And none of the other kids said, how'd you know that's your mom? I've been listening to that voice all my life. When that voice hollers, I come. Because I know it won't be good if I don't come. You see where I'm heading, don't you? I want to pray a prayer, and I want you to get quiet and see if the shepherd's not calling you. And when the good shepherd calls, his sheep come. Bow your head. Father, I pray today for those who are desperate to hear your voice, some who need to give their life to Jesus, others, Father, who just need to say, I, I, I need to be turned. Father, will you bless, guide, help them? And Lord, at the amen of this prayer, I know there are some that don't need to walk out. They need to walk over here to the right-hand side of this stage and talk to somebody about being baptized today. Father, I pray for those who've already done that, but they need to, to, to text a friend or maybe fill out a card out in the lobby or maybe just stop one of the pastors or a security person and say, who can I get in touch with? I need to talk to someone this week. And Lord, I know there are people that can do that. Some need to just text Jesus to the number that's on the screen where they're sitting maybe miles or even Father continents away. Oh, good shepherd, we incline our voice to you. Just call us and tell us what to do. And through your Spirit's power, we will say yes to you. As the old song says, let him have his way with you. Father, that's our desire today. We pray, and in Jesus' name, we all say amen. The last thing I want you to write is that we get to know the shepherd through his work on our hearts. And if you really want to know him, then let him have his way with you. Because little sheep, he will make you new. Go be new and be restored with the shepherd. And we'll see you next week. God bless you. God bless you.